This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we put a bow on the 2021 football season, year one for Clark Lee and Team One. What grade would you give Coach Lee and his staff this season? We hand out our grades for Clark and his staff, but also our grades for each position group on offense, defense, and special teams. This is the final football recap podcast of the season, and we'll be soon turning our attention to the hardwood from here on out. But for now, we've got over an hour of informative entertainment coming your way on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome into the door report. It is episode 129. It is November 29th. 2021. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. I hope all of you had a great Thanksgiving uh, holiday. Of course, Vanderbilt and Tennessee uh, faced off in Knoxville. Mr. Will Byram was there in attendance, front row actually. He had great seats uh, for that one. We'll we'll touch a little bit on that, but Will, this will be mostly a, a season recap, kind of putting a bow on the season and and handing out grades and basically uh, assessing these position groups. As as tough as it has been all season long to to talk about this team and, and, and dive into some of these things, we're going to do our best to kind of go a little bit deeper into these position groups and, and grade, and then we'll give Coach Lee and the staff a grade. So, so this, this should be a fun recap. Yeah, I want to touch on the Tennessee game briefly, yeah. but, I mean, there weren't any great discoveries made during that game that changed your view of this team. I mean, it was about what we expected. I think it was really, really close to what our predictions were. They covered the spread, um, but the game was never in doubt. Tennessee from the opening drive, from the pick six, Mike right through. I mean, you never felt like Vanderbilt was in that game, but you also never felt like Tennessee was absolutely obliterating Vanderbilt and making them look like like they didn't belong in that field. So I think that in that way, when we go through the recap, that's kind of how our grades are being handed out. Yeah, it's even tougher because we have recency bias of what we've seen mm-hmm. from a few guys with Mike Wright and, and what they've done here down the stretch, which we'll, we'll talk about a lot. I mean, down the stretch here of this season, it, it, you know, we talk about signs of life. I, I think you saw some. You, now, they, 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 they did not result in wins, but there was a few signs of life, especially at the quarterback position, at the running back position, and we'll hand out our grades. We'll also touch on uh, Mississippi Valley State tonight. Uh, that is a uh, 7 o'clock uh, tip-off there at Memorial Gym, so Vanderbilt a chance to continue winning, and, uh, and then that will lead into SMU, a road matchup on Saturday, a big one uh, for Stackhouse and his boys. But before we get to the breaking news, I guess, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and instagram door.report like us on facebook subscribe to our youtube channel our podcast is available on anchor itunes spotify and google Podcasts. 
And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the breaking news. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. A Laco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well, Vandy in Tennessee. Again, this is a this is a beefy football episode, and, and again, we'll beefy. get to our grades. We'll get to our grades there. Uh, but real quick, I do want to touch on Tennessee. And again, we 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 got to talk about this because this is the last game of the season. It matters. It's is this was the twelfth uh, final game of the season. Tennessee won 45-21. Uh, well, I think what jumps out to me initially in this game was, of course, you, you know, you talked about earlier how Vanderbilt was. They they were never really in the in the ball game, but it didn't feel like Tennessee was ever um, dominating Vanderbilt or, or or just bullying them. You know, I mean, you saw a few plays offensively from Tennessee where okay, you know, they, they're just better. You know, that they have dudes and they're bigger, faster, and stronger than Vanderbilt. We, I think we knew we knew that going in. Um, but will this defense? They they continue to kind of play the way they're capable of playing. I know they gave up forty five points, but all season long this defense. I look at the eye test and I look at. What, where are they? You know, are they in positions, in positions to make those tackles and make those pass deflections or, or have that interception? And they were. I mean, you saw Anthony Orgy almost had a pick there. I think that first half could have been a lot different if he has that interception. Maybe Mike Wright goes down and puts another point on the boards, puts another touchdown on the board. So I think, well, this defense is what stood out to me a little bit. I know the 45 points, it's hard to talk about the defense in that way. Um, but I think – they, they did what they could, and, and not only against Tennessee, but all season long. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to give them a B as a defensive unit, a, a solid grade, but I'm saying this defense improved, and, and just like the entire team. And, and offensively, Will, as much as we talked about those struggles at quarterback, I thought Mike Wright uh, still did some, de- some nice things against Tennessee. And, and so, Will, this Tennessee game, it's, I, I, this is exactly what we expected. I mean, I, I didn't expect much different uh, in this game. They covered. I mean, I, th- I think that's something to point to. I, I talked to a bunch of my Tennessee friends, and, and they were determined, and they were confident Tennessee would cover and, and cover yep. badly. Uh, and and I, I was I was convinced Vanderbilt would cover, and they did. So, um, well, uh, looking at this again, it, I don't think it was the way they wanted to go out. Again, I think you would have liked to compete a little bit closer, but again, they they're they're trending in the right direction. I think, and, and that's something to to look forward to. And Clerkley said it. Will I think you put it on here? He's as excited uh, as as he's ever been and energized about what this offseason can bring. So uh, for me, Will I, again, it's more of the same in the Ole Miss game. But I look at the defense and the fact that they continued to kind of stay on that same path. Offensively, of course, they struggled. Uh, but defensively is what I look at against Tennessee. Yeah, Clark Lee, I think in his quotes, it was actually in Brian Carlson's season yeah. recap article um, that I quoted that from Clark Lee. But he mm-hmm. said uh, another thing that this team has the opportunity for exponential growth this right. offseason. And uh, at one point I sit there and I say, yeah, that's just coach speak. The I'm as excited as ever about where this team. I don't believe that. That doesn't. No, he's not. He's not as excited because this is a brutal year. And let's just be honest. But but you have to say those things as a coach. The exponential growth comment was interesting because it got my mind kind of working. And I was thinking that might not be just coach speak because you saw the growth this team from when Clark Lee was hired until that first game against ETSU. When you look at exponential growth and you're looking at a chart, you can pull it up on your phone. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see what I'm doing with my hand. You go like this, and then it's just like time value of money. It builds, builds, builds. And I think you really did see this team improve a lot 
more they improved more in from game one this season to game 12 than they improved the entire offseason underneath Clark Lee. Mm-hmm. Now they know what they really have. They've seen Clark Lee's thoughts on defense, on offense with the current scheme, what these players can do. And I think that this staff, as critical as we are going to be in this recap and as critical as I have been, mm-hmm. I think they did do some things that improved this team towards the end of the year, and that was prevalent. In this defense, only giving up 38 points to Tennessee – and there was one point that I point to in this game. It was the second drive of the game. Vanderbilt had thrown the pick six to open the game. Three and out immediately. Or, or what What happened there? They threw the when, – whenever Tennessee turned the ball over on downs, when they got the punt return, that's what yes, it was. Yes, uh, yes. Tennessee returned the punt immediately inside Vanderbilt's 20 mm-hmm. and had the opportunity to score immediately. And you're thinking, this poor defense, they were already facing right. this daunting task of facing this Tennessee offense that no one can stop. And now they're going to be down 14, nothing. It's not even their, it's not even their fault. And for some reason, Tennessee, well, great job by the defense. Vanderbilt got them to fourth down. Mm -hmm. It's about fourth and two, fourth and three. Vanderbilt was pretty much dead in the water at that point. There was no momentum. Tennessee decided to go for it. And I looked at my friend who was sitting next to me as a Tennessee fan and said, I don't really agree with this call. I love being aggressive, but mm-hmm. you've got ten, you've got Vanderbilt really down and out right now. A field goal, you're up two scores. This Vanderbilt offense is going to struggle to move the ball. Mm-hmm. And to this defense's credit, they got the stop yeah. and kept this game relatively not feeling like it, it could have gotten to the point of a 65-3 to nut three mm-hmm. type of game. And this defense stepped up. So there's resiliency. You're seeing the fight. I don't think it's an issue of effort or players not being bought in. It's just continuing to grow within the system Mm -hmm. and then just getting better athletes. And I think where you see the better athletes, because there's always the conversation of, well, Vanderbilt can't be that much worse. And you see it. And where the main thing is, is special teams. You see the athletes out there on special teams in Tennessee's are light years ahead of where mm-hmm. the athletes at Vanderbilt are. Vanderbilt's having to scheme to even remain competitive right. against a mid-tier SEC team. And that's why I think at the end of the season now we can take a step back. Are there things the staff can improve on? Yes. Yeah. But are there are there things that are just going to have to be fixed by personnel? Also, yes. Yeah, and well, I look at two game, four game, a pocket of four games. And I, the first two are Florida and Mississippi State. Vanderbilt lost 42 nothing to Florida. Mississippi State, they lose 41-6. to And I think though, though Florida... 45-6. I think those two teams, Florida and Mississippi State, are somewhat comparable to Tennessee and Ole Miss. I mean, those are kind of in that middle pack tier of the SEC against Ole Miss, 31-17. Tennessee, 45-21. Hey, let's not, lo- let's not lump I, Ole Miss down. That was an impressive, no, impressive I, I'm not, yeah, score I, from the Conroe. Ole Miss is top, what, nine, eight in the country now. Yeah, they're, so they're, let's they're, put them. Vanderbilt competed with a top-tier SEC team they, in Ole yeah. Miss. And Mississippi State is is not far behind Ole Miss either. I mean, Mississippi mm. State is a good football team. Um, and so I think those two, that pocket of games, you think, okay, they, they improve Florida. If Vanderbilt were to play Florida towards the end of this season, that would have been a lot closer game yep. because the way the Florida is the way they look right now. So Trend, well, they trended it, in the other direction. Yes. Vanderbilt and, trended kind of like this and Florida just fell off a cliff. Right. And, and so, will I look at the end of this season and I say, if Vanderbilt could have played the way they did against Tennessee and Ole Miss those last two games and maybe against Florida, maybe against Mississippi state, hell, maybe even against Georgia. I mean, I think it would have been better. It would have looked a lot better. So the improvement is there. It's undeniable. It's obvious. Now I know there's, there's sec fans. There's fans around the country that say, Oh, Vanderbilt went two and 10. There's no improvement there. They only had two wins. They lost to an FCS team, but 
the, the diehard fans, they understand, I think the majority of Vanderbilt fans understand that there was small improvement. Now, this isn't saying there's some hyped up energy for next season. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying the improvement is there and they still have a ton of work to do. Uh, but well, I want to look at also, we talked about penalties a lot. I think that penalty was a little bit of improvement as well. They only had four penalties for 30 yards against Tennessee. I know there were some big penalties offensively on the O-line uh, throughout the season, but I thought that mark improved. And so they, they cleaned it up a little bit, I think, throughout the season. So um, as a whole, Will, though, it, it's just it, as tough as it was to analyze this whole team. I thought down the stretch, this team started playing the way they, they were capable of. And I think Mike Wright was a big part of that. And, and I thought Chris Pierce played well against Tennessee and Ole Miss. And, and you saw even Cam Johnson at, at, at spurts. So, well, again, this we'll give Clark Lee his grade towards the end of this episode, but um, I think it's all trending towards what we will give him. And it's an interesting question. I'd love to poll uh, every Vanderbilt fan. Might have to do that. Might have the, to poll out on Twitter what, yeah. what grade you would give Clark Lee. I'd love to. I'd love to. I think I think it'd be all over the board. Uh, I really do. I think, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to reveal mine right now, but it's just interesting to kind of talk about that and where people stand and, and where, uh, you know, we stand, of course, because we've been talking about this team watching every game all season long. So, um, again, Will, 45-21 uh, lost to Tennessee. Ten- Vanderbilt is the only SEC team not going bowling. That was – I didn't even notice that it was all, it was all LSU. And again, I don't know if we, you know, we could have been a couple other teams, LSU. I think Vanderbilt helped out some of those teams in the East, uh, you know, haven't been able to play Vanderbilt and get closer to six wins. Um, So, you know, people are over-exaggerating that I think, but uh, again, Vanderbilt is not going bowling. Every other SEC team is. And uh, well, I think you're coming to a point where, okay, next season, you got to take this. This was not, this season, I don't think it was a two and ten. Yes, a two win improvement from an uh, uh, an undefeated uh, no win season uh, last year. They did not but improve not, in the win column. This yes, team would have won the same amount of games last season, that's, regardless that's, that's, of what improvement we talk about. They this team would have won the same or more games yeah. with Derek Mason at coach last season, yeah, and, and that's not, just the reality. Yeah, and I'm yeah, I'm not saying they made a jump. Like this wasn't necessarily a jump. Yeah. This was the beginning. You know, this is <laughs> this is the beginning stages and the foundation. Next year is when the jump has to happen. You know, you, you've got to see a jump. The non-conference, there are three winnable games in that non-conference. And, and of course, we'll get to next season, um, you know, but we'll, I think that's that's it for me on Tennessee Vandy. Um, and, and so I think, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, get into the grades here of the position groups. Uh, and we're going to run through offensively, all the skill positions and even defensively. And, well, this was tough. I, I mean, it wasn't easy for me. I, I think the, some positions were pretty easy to, uh, to kind of place a grade on them. Um, but I, I, I looked pretty deep at this, and, and, and let's start right there at the quarterback position, the most important uh, position on the field. And, well, the quarterbacks, it, it's tough this season because of our expectations for Ken Seals. And I think initially, you know, we thought, okay, this position is fine. We've got Ken Seals. You know, he's coming back. This offense, hopefully they continue to, uh, to play with some confidence and some rhythm. That was not the case. Not the case at all. There was so much going on offensively. Um, and, and Will, so I'm going to give the quarterback position a C minus. Uh, I was very tempted to give this position a D, but what Mike Wright did down the stretch was just enough to give this group a C minus and, and stay out of that D range. This isn't a good grade by any means, but Mike Wright gave this offense some life down the stretch. And that's something Ken Seals just simply wasn't able to do. Um, and I think against Colorado State, he won that game against UConn, he, he won that game along with that offense. But, you know, against some of those SEC teams, you just, they were not able to move the ball. And so 
you know, I look at what Mike Wright was able to do, especially on the ground. Well, 91 carries, 376 yards. Those aren't necessarily eye-popping numbers, but from a quarterback, that will jump out. And, and I think if he were to have started this season, he could have been somewhere close to 600, 700 yards on the ground. I mean, I, I think that those are pretty realistic there. So, well, I give them a C minus. Uh, again, it was it was tough not to to go down into that D range because this is what kind of you know halted them a lot this season. It was their Achilles heel. Uh, the quarterback position, but there's so many other spots in this offense and also throughout this staff that I think held it back a little bit. So I'm going to go C minus, and that's only because of what Mike Wright was able to do with his legs. And and hell, Will, let's give it to the guy too. I mean, that 55-yard completion, people talk about how that kid can't throw. He, he can throw. Okay, I'm not saying he's accurate, but he's got some a little bit of arm strength, and I think that was, you know, we can say that was lucky, but I think he, I'm not saying he, he, you know, proved anything through his arm, but what he was able to do as a quarterback in within this offense, I think that gave this, this, this quarterback position a C minus. Yeah. So you were tempted to give this position. Very, a D. Very I, I, I did give it a D. I mean, I, I think that's kind in, in all honesty, before I get started, all of these grades are based on what our expect or my expectations were going into the year. So it's hard to say necessarily like looking at that receiver group and say giving them a grade and comparing that to the linebacking group. Obviously, the receiver group had higher expectations and has more talent right. on it. So and and what is actually the scheme? What what was the offensive play calling? Was the issues? What position was actually at fault? The O line, the QBs, the running. That's what makes this difficult. But the, all that being said, my expectations for Ken Seals were high. Um, going into his sophomore season. I mean, you expected maybe a little bit of struggle early because mm -hmm. he's now on tape, he has tendencies, but he didn't just remain flat, he regressed back. Um, I mean, you look at the stats, completing just 56% of his passes, five touchdowns, eight picks, mm -hmm. had the injury. And Mike Wright did come in, he did do some good things. Um, but there are valid, valid criticisms of Mike Wright's arm strength. Um, and I think the perfect example of that is the pick six. Mm -hmm. That was not necessarily the wrong read that was not necessarily this bad throw if ken seals attempts to make that throw it doesn't it's not a pick six the ball doesn't have that zip on that out route mm -hmm. which looks like a lot of things that this offense is trying to do and that's the criticism of mike wright is does he have that zip on the eight to ten yard out route to not have it go the other way for a touchdown and is he the long-term solution because i don't think right now he has that um, and so that's the questions you face going into the offseason. And that's why I just can't give it above a D is mm -hmm. because this was expected to be kind of a Ken Seals position. He was going to really put a stamp on it and then would feel really good moving into his junior year about taking a big step forward. Mm -hmm. That went the complete opposite direction. And now we're looking at another guy going into his going into next season to build a completely different style of offense around. We'll see what happens with Joey Lynch and the rest of that staff. But there are a lot more question marks now at the quarterback position after the season than there were going into the season, and that's never a good sign. No, boy, that escalated quickly, the, the quarterback yeah. position, <laughs> pretty quickly there uh, at the beginning of the season. But, well, I think what you're looking at here is, does Drew Dickey have what it takes? The three-star quarterback coming in. Uh, I've watched a little bit of his film. He's a big guy, a big quarterback. Um, but for him to step in as a freshman and start, that's a, that's a whole other question. And so – I think what you're looking and at is... And do we a, see Ken Seals move yeah, this offseason? I mean... It, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. So I'm not going to... I'm not putting Ken Seals out of this equation. I'm not going to no. predict he's going to transfer. We have no clue um, what's going to happen. Uh, but, you know, Jeremy Musa also will. He's transferring. So he's he's out of the question. So 
Um, I guess without Ken Seal, say he does transfer, it's Mike Wright versus Drew Dickey unless they get a transfer, unless there's another talented quarterback to come in. That's right now what it looks like. So um, quarterback position, I wouldn't say there's there's high hopes for next season. I think with Reese Mooney, the 2023 guy, down two years down the road, I think uh, there's some expectations there. But next season, uh, I think it's a lot on how, how much bigger does Mike Wright get? How, where does his arm strength improve? So there's a lot of That's another there. thing right there is Mike Wright's going to have to get bigger yes. in the offseason. I think he did things that me and you were both excited about. And I don't think we're sitting here like if Mike Wright comes out, it's going to be a tough year. I don't think that's how we feel. No. But there are things he's going to have to do and come into game one next season that are going to have to improve yes. now that there's film out there on him. It's the yeah. same thing Ken Seals faced. Defenses can actually game plan for what he does now. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have to do a lot different things than just drop back and pass with him because that is still a real weakness of his mm -hmm. game is staying in that pocket. He likes to exit that pocket well before it breaks yeah. down. So yeah. and and that does help out a struggling offensive line. You saw that in their sack numbers this year. But Mike Wright's going to have to put on weight if yeah. he's going to continue to run the style of offense because he he takes a lot of hits he and does. he is not not a big beefy guy. No. You like the word beefy. Yeah, so I do. I do. He's not the beefiest, but but well, it, it's going to depend. And what Clarkley talked about it. The exponential growth. I think that goes into it a little bit. How much does he grow, and what does Drew Dickey have? So uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue to look at that. But will let's go to running backs. And uh, I, I was this is my highest grade. I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. I gave the running back position a B plus. Now, if Ramon Davis was healthy all year, I think they could have held. They could have been an A. I mean, I I really do think this running back position surpassed my expectations, even after Ramon Davis was injured. Uh, what Rocco Griffin and Pat Smith were able to do, I'm not saying they lit the world on fire, but I liked what I saw. So I gave this group a B plus. Griffin and Smith combined to finish the season: 227 carries, 877 yards, five touchdowns. Four of those touchdowns down the stretch came from Rocco Griffin. I think, of course, down the stretch, he was a little bit better than Patrick Smith. We saw that good game against Florida with a few good runs for Pat Smith. But both these guys, when their name was called, they went in there and 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 put some yards up, and, and they ran hard. Rocco ran hard as as he ever could against Ole Miss and UT. I mean, he 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 put up he put up some performances that I think you can look towards next season and say, okay, Rocco could be the number two guy behind Ramon. And then you've got Maurice Edwards coming in next season as well. You still got Patrick Smith back there. So will the running back room is, is the, is kind of, I hate saying the lone bright spot, but the highest grade for me B plus. And it was, this was pretty easy. I think just because of what they were able to do down the stretch, we didn't see a ton of Patrick Smith early on. Uh, and we, heck, we didn't even see a ton of Rocco. It was a, it was a ton of Ramon Davis, those first couple games and then he gets hurt so for those two guys to step up will and 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 produce i'm not saying they again they're not world beaters but these guys did what they could do and especially rocco he he surpassed my expectations so did patrick smith um i'm still you know they, they there's still room for improvement there like both of them can get bigger both of them can get faster and stronger uh but for those two guys um and and heck even what what ziglor is able to do in, in his limited time so i'm going to give them a b plus will uh, but I do think it could have been even better with Ramon Davis, but that makes it tougher. You know, that makes it tough to put a, a stamp grade on, on, on this group, but I give them a B plus solely because of what Griffin and Smith were able to do down the stretch of the season. Yeah. I, 
obviously this one's hard to grade because Davis going out early, he was the guy, he was the man in that backfield. Um, and he went out in that Stanford game and then it was kind of turmoil. They had to bring Ziggler over uh, right. to be the third string back and Rocco at the beginning struggled a little bit. I don't think he'd really found his rhythm, but he improved um, later in the season against Ole Miss in Tennessee and he showed some good things, some tough running. He had a little bit, a little bit more explosiveness than I think we saw early on. Um, and Patrick Smith, I think, showed us both a lot. Um, him coming back is going to be big. He was the first time we've seen real SEC speed in that backfield mm -hmm. since Vaughn left. Um, and that was nice to see. But I'm going to give them a B. Um, and that is also my highest grade is a B because I just can't give a grade that is extremely high to the worst offense in the SEC to any position group because fault can be found anywhere um, mm -hmm. when your statistics are this bad. And Neither, none of these guys really had playmaking explosive runs. Um, they had some pretty good ones, but you look at Rocco Griffin, long of 36, Patrick Smith, long of 37, Keyshawn Vaughn, that's the type of back they need to have an explosive, explosive offense. You either need an elite level quarterback like Kyle Shermer, um, which you did have alongside mm -hmm. him, or you need a running back that can make big plays. And right now, Mike Wright <laughs> ran a couple, sorry, excuse me. I got, got a little congestion going on. <laughs> But Mike Wright did have a couple runs in that 70-yard range. So you need an explosive playmaker. And just I can't give above a B just because we didn't necessarily see that game-breaking ability out yeah. of them. But we could have seen that out of Davis. So I don't disagree with your B+. Plus, um, but if Davis was healthy, I do think this, this group would have improved this mm -hmm. offense's production quite a bit. Yeah, this could be the group we improved the, the, the close. The, we, the similar, this is the compared. most confident of any position yeah. going into next that season. That we both are. Like, I feel really, really good about yeah. the about the backfield going into next year. I think you do as well. Yeah, no doubt. And, Will, it's, so, it's just tough with these running backs because – you know, your starter goes down and these guys, what are they expected of? You know, what, what, they did a hell of a job. Like yeah. I want to, like, I want, I don't want my B to, I think Patrick Smith and Rocco Griffin stepped in and they exceeded my expectations yeah. Yeah. twofold. Yeah. I mean, they, they impressed me throughout the year, which then makes me feel really good going into next year. I think mm -hmm. that's why, like what I said about the relative grading is like, I think these running backs are really talented. So I think there's more there. Mm -hmm. So like, it's probably the professor in college that you hate. That's like, I just think you can do more like because I think you have a lot of potential. That's how I feel about this backfield yeah. is I just can't give it above that because right. I think there's so much more there. And next year we can really see the potential yeah. they have. You've got a young kid and Maurice Edwards coming in who's going to yep. compete. He's going to compete for a spot there. Uh, so those guys are going to have to step up even more. So, well, let's go to the receivers. And we're a little bit different here. Um, I gave this group a D just because of my expectations coming in for this group, I was expecting pretty big jumps from Cam Johnson, Chris Pierce, and Amir Abdurrahman. We didn't see anything Amir Abdurrahman until the Kentucky game. Uh, Chris Pierce had a solid season. He led the team in receiving yards. But neither of those three guys turned into the weapons I expected them to be this season. You know, yes, there's there's some blame that that you know you can point to in other areas with you know what plays were being called, who was the quarterback, how was the offensive line, but beyond all of that, I expected these three guys to to simply play better uh, than they did this season. And I'm kind of putting Will Shepard out of this. I mean, I, Will Shepard played well. Um, I think a lot of these guys you didn't see. I mean, Shepard, you saw some drops, of course, but you know, I, with these guys, I thought. I thought Cam Johnson would make that jump into being that big-time slot guy, have maybe seven, eight touchdowns. I thought the same for Chris Pierce on the outside. I thought Amir Abdurrahman would be that third weapon 
but it really didn't play out that way. So I, I it was tough. I, I was very tempted to give them uh, in the C range, C, C minus, but I, I gave them a D just because they're similar to the quarterback position. There were high expectations. I mean, let's face it. You know, I'm not saying we expected this group to, you know, to have an all SEC type of guy, but I expected more than what they showed. And so I gave them a D simply because of their production. And I, I understand that, you know, the quarterback situation was in flux. The O-line at times was probably not giving the quarterback enough time. Um, but I, I really just think with this group, I expected better from them. Um, and, and so because of all the blame, it's tough giving them a D. I, I did think they, they showed some signs. Like Chris Pierce um, was – he tur- slowly turned into that same type of guy he was last season. Uh, but you just didn't see that uh, that type of game changing plays, uh, you know, from from any of these guys. So, uh, but I'm not saying there's not potential. You know, I, I I think we'd all believe those three guys are gone. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think Cam, Chris, and Amir are, are all leaving. Um, Chris Pierce, I mean, the guy he's he's he was a fifth year this year, so he's going to be gone. Uh, Cam Johnson, I don't have a great feeling about neither do I. Don't have a good one about Amir Abdurrahman either. But I'm not saying there's not potential. Like what Will Shepard showed this season gives me confidence for next season. Same with Devin Body, um, and same with even some of the freshmen that are coming in to compete for that job. So, Will, I gave them a D. It was tough to give them a D, but I just gave it to them solely on my expectations and how they didn't really play up to those expectations. So, as tough as it was, I, I ended up giving them a D. You ended up giving them the D, Billy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so oh, th- this, this was I just tough. realized that. Here we go. This, this one is tough because this was a very talented group, and I think we had a lot of expectations going in. And the one thing about wide receivers that is the tough part is you are completely tied to how good your quarterback is and how good the scheme is at getting you the ball. Mm-hmm. So I give this group a C minus, and I initially had it a little bit higher. Um, but then I went back and thought through the drops and different things. And that's the part that I can give them the C minus on. And just you can't give above a C just because of the amount of talent that they have and the amount of production that was put out on the field. But how much do you blame the actual wide receiver group versus how much do you blame these guys were just blatantly underutilized and they were not schemed effectively the entire year. And you can see the talent where we talk about talent differential, right? Well, that UT at the end of the first half of the UT game, that Hail Mary is the perfect example that Vanderbilt's athletes at receiver, specifically, nowhere else on this team, but at receiver, were just as good as every SEC team they played. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe that Chris Pierce, Amir Abdurrahman, Cam Johnson, and Will Shepard are the only place on this team you can point to and 100% say, if I put those guys onto an SEC roster, I believe that they would break into the rotation on nearly every single SEC team, at least getting on the field and being involved in the offense. Mm-hmm. So in that capacity, I completely put the blame on this coaching staff, completely put, put the blame on the quarterbacks, not getting them the ball consistently and the O-line not being able to protect them, allow their routes to develop. That being said, there were drop issues. There seemed to be issues where they couldn't get the timing right with mm-hmm. the quarterbacks running incorrect routes at times. So I give them a C minus, but really how much blame you can put on the wide receivers. I don't know. Yeah, it was tough giving them a D. I mean, it's, you know, you got another guy that could step up next season though. Will is Quincy Skinner jr. Uh, he didn't get a ton mm-hmm. of time this season, but he's another guy that you can look for next season. We got to keep going though here. Let's finish with the tight ends here. We got tight ends and O line here for offense, but let's start here with the tight ends. 
well, we, this is where we agree. Uh, I gave them a C as well. Uh, sorry to reveal yours, but uh, <laughs> Bresnahan, Ben Bresnahan's role was not what fans had expected coming into the season. Of course, he got hurt. He was banged up. Uh, he made some good grabs against Ole Miss, but he was never that significant target within the offense that we had expected him to be coming into this season. Uh, but, Will, on the blocking side of things, I thought they looked solid. Shout out to Gavin Schoenwald and Bresnahan. I, I saw good blocking from both of them. I really did. I, I Finally, against Tennessee, I started to look at, okay, why is Rocco – why is Rocco finding space? Why, why are there, why is there space for Mike Wright? Why is there space for Pat Smith? This tight ends did a solid job blocking on the outside. You saw certain times where Gavin Schoenwald gets a pull on a guy, gets him inside and that creates space for Rocco. Same with uh, Ben Bresnahan. So I thought on the blocking side of things, they were fine. I mean, they were, you know, they did what they could, uh, you know, in the blocking side of things, Bresnahan's not a, an offensive receiving target. I think we, we, we knew that coming in, but what Bresnahan, when he was healthy, uh, he was just not he, he was not existent offensively in the game plan. And again, I put that more on Joey Lynch offensively and and even the quarterback not having enough time to get it to him. So with a lot of these skill position players, Will, it's it's hard to analyze them and, and evaluate them because of the external factors there offensively. So I gave them a C, uh, you know, simply because of I thought they did a solid job blocking. Um, it maybe would have been higher if Bresnahan had a few, a few more catches and was more of a target there offensively. But Bresnahan and, and he was just not enough of a weapon for me to give them above a C. So I, I kept him there. Yeah, I think if you just judged the tight ends and graded off the blocking, they would probably be in the B range. Yeah. Um, how much is it? Once again, on the scheme, exactly what you said. Um, the, the middle of the field was just never utilized, mm-hmm. honestly. I mean, you saw that all year. That was that was a gripe that we had. Everything was towards the sidelines, and that never really changed. Um, and Bresnahan, I think, with that expectation, he would at least be a pretty big part of this offense is yeah. a safety valve kind of experience. Looked like he has sure hands showing Walt a pretty solid backup there. Good blocking tight end with a little bit of playmaking ability. You saw that on a shovel pass touchdown. He scored. Um, then you had Justin ball as well. That was worked in that rotation. Um, it's kind of a little bit of a blocker. He's a big body number 84, mm-hmm. but I have to give him a C as well. Yeah. And you know, I were in complete agreement there. I forgot about the tight end position, how much agreement we were in, uh, but will breaking news, cam Johnson is going to enter the transfer portal. Uh, so yeah. he, just I think actually, that was our expectations. Yeah. He actually just tweeted that out as, mm-hmm. as sad as it is, you know, you kind of understand it from the guy. So, uh, you know, we don't have a ton of time to get into that, but just real quick, Cam Johnson will enter, uh, the transfer portal. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear. Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check planning for what's next and how to save for it. That's where bank of America can help for your financial to do's bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, so we'll, let's do that. finish this a little bit differently. Running out of time on my part, I'm going to run through my grades uh, for each defensive position, and then I'm going to get, give the reins to you. You will finish off the pod uh, with your grades. I'm going to run through mine. Fairly quickly, I'm going to start on the D line. Will again, this was tough to analyze too, just because of again our expectations for this group. I gave them a D plus. Um, this was simply put one of the weaker links on the team. I give them a D plus instead of a D minus, simply because of their pass deflections and, and kind of the uh, 
their their emphasis on that throughout the coaching staff and and this goes back more towards the beginning of the season because I thought you saw what Clark Lee wants his future defenses to look like because of a lot of those deflections. Uh, Davion Davis, the sack numbers, by the way, are, are they're awful. I mean, that's it, really you're, you're not going to beat many teams with that amount of sacks and having that lack of uh, presence on the D-line. Davis, one and a half sacks. Uh, Malik Langham and Lorenzo Sergers each had one sack. Uh, but passes defended, this is kind of an interesting stat. I, th- I feel like there were more that showed. Uh, Davion Davis had three defended, but you saw it throughout the season. Elijah McAllister, uh, heck, even Christian James, different guys uh, get their hands up on balls and, and affect the quarterback's vision and, and, and be able to do that. So um, I know the stats of passes defended may not show that very much, but I think the eye test and watching uh, this group play all season long, I think you saw that. You saw it a lot against Colorado State. You saw it kind of throughout the season. Um, but I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt you here, Billy. But just keep in mind when you're looking at the stats and everything that a lot of where we consider defensive linemen like Elijah McAllister are actually classified as like linebackers, right? Um, right. Just because of how they are in the scheme. So I consider Elijah McAllister a defensive lineman, even though yes, on same. ESPN he's a linebacker. So I just exactly. had to put so, that in there. Yeah. So, that's so that's another thing with that stat. Yeah. So those stats are skewed, obviously. But uh, again, the the I look at I, I gave him a D plus simply because, and that's not a good grade by any by any stretch of the imagination, but. Uh, that's what separated for me the, the kind of their their activeness uh, in in that regard. So, well, I'm going to go to linebackers now. I I, I gave the linebackers a B plus. And again, I I know I said the running backs was was going to be my highest grade. I ended up giving them that plus because of the I mean the stats they showed were were pretty I mean pretty crazy coming into the season. I don't think we thought Ethan Barr would would be able to do what he did throughout the season. Uh, but him and Orgy were were the two guys. Uh, I mean, they were all over the all, all over the field. I mean, Barr, of course, had that big interception against Ole Miss. I thought Orgy, you know, he had a chance at that interception against Tennessee. Now, I'm not saying these guys, um, uh, you know, were world beaters by any chance of the imagination, but uh, they 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 played well within the scheme. And, and again, they they were in those spots to succeed. And and I thought Ethan Barr uh, was a guy that we saw his potential, and I think he grew throughout the season. He kind of was molded into that player that Clark Lee and Jesse Minner wanted him to be. So for the linebackers, Will, I give them a B plus um, simply because of what I saw from those two guys. I know McAllister technically is listed as a linebacker. I still put him in that D-line mold. Um, but again, simply because of Barr and Orgy and what they've done uh, you know, this season, I, I give them a B plus. Uh, and then rolling in here, Will, running out of time, I'm going to go with DBs. Um, again, we were pretty similar here too. I go C minus. Um, they just need more speed. I mean, they, they need guys that are able to press against those receivers and have size and compete with the size of those SEC receivers. Jalen Mahoney was the best DB all year, but I also thought at the safety position, Brendan Harris uh, played well at times as well. And you saw Jerkins, of course, uh, in there as well. He'll be coming back next season. Uh, but they, they just they don't have the dudes. They don't have the depth. Um, and I'm not saying they can't get there uh, with some of the freshmen coming in and even some of the younger guys that were forced into action. But the need for speed is there. And, and you saw several times throughout the season where they were simply beat off the edge. They didn't have the speed. They didn't have the physicality. So Tons of missed tackles as well. And you saw certain times where some of these DBs and safeties would come up and, and, and defend right around that first down marker 
And instead of pushing them back a couple yards, that running back or the receiver or the quarterback would lean forward and end up getting those, those, those final three yards and getting that first down. So speed and physicality, that's where this team needs to improve in this area. Uh, Jalen Mahoney, of course, did some good things. I think that's the type of player you can look to see in the future. And Quantavis Gaskins is a guy that's going to play a lot next year. He's going to be forced into that. He's a guy that's tall, 6'2". So uh, they need more of him. And, and again, it's, it's kind of the Jawan Williams effect. I mean, a, a long, physical, fast DB will compete and will help you a lot on defense. So they need more speed there, Will. Um, and then lastly, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, don't forget your special Last, teams. Don't special forget your teams, special, yeah, special teams. teams. Okay. Well, I, I didn't technically put this on the script, but I'm going to give special. It's really hard. I want to separate kickers and punters, yeah. but you can't. It's the same. It's the same <laughs> unit. Uh, if I was doing kickers, I might get hell. I might give Bullivis a B, but I'm going to give them a C um, simply because of the punting. The punting was awful. Uh, punt coverage was bad. Uh, kickoff. Kickoff was decent. I mean, you didn't see, I don't think you saw a kickoff return for a touchdown, but you saw many opportunities where, um, you know, the, the special teams, they, they just were not able to cover. I mean, they, 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 against Tennessee. You also they, have to they, lump they in were, there that just the special teams was just so lackluster as far as return game as well. Oh, yeah. I think we forget yeah. to evaluate that in special teams yeah. as well. Our, our own, our own returners, mm -hmm. they didn't do much. They did not, they did not have an impact. And you saw against Tennessee, Valus Jones made an impact in the game and mm -hmm. those athletes make differences. So not only on the coverage units, but also your own unit and receiving and making an impact in the game. You didn't see that. Um, so, well, I'll give them a C uh, and, and punting, uh, of course, we, we thought coming into the season, Harrison Smith was uh, a guy with a leg. I mean, you know, but he ended up, I think the, the excuse from Clark Lee was that we couldn't block for him. So they ended up doing the rugby style again. That's, that's neither here nor there, but um, the, the punting unit, I feel like digressed a little bit. Um, but in regards to the kicking unit, I thought Bullivis kind of carried that special teams unit. I'm not saying he missed a lot of kicks. Of course, he missed some big kicks, but he also hit some big ones where th this team th that they needed them. Uh, and so I, I give them a C going that it could be lower, could be higher, uh, but they're lumped together. So it's, it's, it's hard to give lower than a C to a special yeah. teams unit, Billy, that won you your only two games that you won. So exactly. that's, that's, that's where we sit. There. Yeah. That, Don't forget your coaching staff grades, Billy. You got to get yep. those real quick. Got to get those in. Well, I got to run here. I'm going to send it off to you though. My final grade for Clark Lee. I've thought about it a lot. Um, and it's so it's, it's tough because I, I'm not going to give him anywhere in the B range. I thought you saw signs of it, but I'm going to end up giving Clark Lee a C minus. Um, I was thinking C, I was thinking maybe C plus. I'm not going to give the guy a D. I'm not going to do that to him, but I'm going to give a C minus. Um, <laughs> and so, Will, it's, it's, it's so tough to see. I know you're dying right now. Uh, you love that terminology. I just but, love how you're Will, phrasing it, buddy. I love how you're phrasing it. C, C minus is my grade for Clark Lee and the staff. This isn't just Clark Lee. Um, I was tempted to give him a C because of what Jesse Minner and his defense were able to do, but I mean, you're giving up that many points. It's hard to it's hard to go down, go up a grade, a, a letter there. So I'm going to stick with C minus again. Will I got to run? But there and there's a lot more we can talk to talk about in this. But I've got Clark Lee final grade C minus, and uh, good luck with the rest of this podcast. Will. And there goes Billy. So now you're stuck <laughs> with me to run through my grades now. All right. Um, but I'll go back through. I think Billy actually forgot to give his offensive line grade there, but listed on here, he has a C. 
Um, and I'll read exactly what his notes kind of are. He said they were better than expected. Coach Blazik did a great job. Mike Wright did a nice job of holding some of the inefficiencies towards the end of the season, but they definitely exceeded my expectations. So that was from Billy. That was his offensive line grade because I, th- I think uh, he skipped to the defensive line there uh, before he unfortunately was pressed for time and had to go. So I'll start there for me. The offensive line this year, I, I have not been overly critical of the offensive line just because of the expectations that we had this year. And traditionally, the offensive lines outside of the Bruno Reagan years with Ralph Webb and Kyle Shermer and, and all of them, the offensive lines at Vanderbilt, even on the good teams, have always struggled. Um, even on the best of teams that Vanderbilt has had in the Franklin years and the Mason years, the offensive line is always outmatched by these freak defensive lines that they face. And this year, I didn't think the offensive line was necessarily the obvious problem. And when I say the obvious problem, did they were they great? No, I don't think so. Were they good? Probably not. Were they around average? And I think they improved from game one to game 12. Absolutely. So I'm going to go with a C minus um, for this offensive line. I think there is hope for next season that they can continue to improve. And you saw some good things happen. You saw them start leaning on leaning on teams in that Ole Miss game. Um, and in the Tennessee game and allowing Rocco Griffin to break these runs. And in the Missouri game, you saw Mike Wright able to bust some of these runs. So the blocking improved. And how much of that can be associated with Mike Wright's running ability and keeping these linebackers and defensive ends kind of off balance and not being able to just purely rush the quarterback? That's a good question. I don't think we know that going into the year. There are just so many parts of this team um, that do have small issues. It's really hard to identify what the big issue is. And if there even is a big issue, is there one thing that you can improve and say this one position gets better and this team wins two or three more games? I don't think it's that simple with this roster where they are at. And this year, I think you're also going to have some guys like he mentioned, Cam Johnson, just announcing he will enter the transfer portal. I think this wide receiver group goes from an experienced group with expectations this season um, and goes into kind of an inexperienced group that we don't really know what we are going to see with Will Shepard really being the only real proven receiver that they're going to have next season. You have Devin Body Jr. It's taken a few snaps, but you haven't really seen a ton of him. Is he good enough to be a number two receiver in this offense? We're going to find out. Can Quincy Skinner Jr. step up and is this offensive line able to provide enough time to really see what these receivers can do and allow them to get out into space? And a lot of this is all going to hinge next season on does Joey Lynch return? Is there going to be a complete upheaval in the scheme that this Vanderbilt team utilizes under Clark Lee? And that's something that we'll keep an eye on. But my expectations, honestly, I want a new offensive scheme. I do. And and I'll get into my next ratings after this going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but Billy's gone so I can talk about whatever I want. So he can get mad at me or he can't, he might edit me out. Who knows? He's got all the power, but this scheme that they have just doesn't utilize playmakers efficiently and effectively. And when I was talking with big T going into that Tennessee game, he was talking about what Tennessee's offense does and what Georgia tech's offense does. And our previously when they were running the wing, uh, the triple option there at Georgia tech, And he said those two offenses are completely different offenses, obviously. Georgia Tech running the triple option, running the ball, chewing the clock. And then you have Tennessee running this crazy high up tempo offense under Josh Heupel that really schemes your way to an advantage and throws a defense off, allowing you to move the ball, even if you may have inferior athletes, just because these teams struggle with the matchups and it creates favorable matchups 
that your athletes that may be a little inferior to your opponent have potential to win. You scheme blocks, you scheme players out of the game. I didn't see that a lot early. I saw Joey Lynch improve, but is did he improve enough to save his job after year one? That'll be something to watch this offseason. I'll go into special teams now. I have to give him a C, uh, same as what Billy did. Um, the punting, I thought Harrison Smith, I had higher expectations going in. How much of that was the special teams unit just lacked athletes? I mean, he didn't punt the ball great, but he switched over to rugby style against Tennessee. He was not doing the rugby style punting. The coverage was never really that good on punt returns. Uh, they stopped even returning kickoffs after that Georgia game when they had the fumble, unfortunately. Um, I think it was Ziegler that coughed up the ball there. Uh, they just started every single one was a fair catcher, kneel down in the end zone, getting the ball to 25. I didn't disagree with that. I thought that was a good special teams decision. Unless you have an explosive returner back there um, on these kickoffs, most of the time, even you, even the explosive returners are tackled inside the 25 and you lose field position. And those five to 10 yards for this Vanderbilt offense this year were key. So I, I just think that you didn't have explosive returners. Cam Johnson did a good job being sure-handed for the most part um, in the punt return game, but he didn't provide a spark or any explosive playmaking out of that position. And that's something that Vanderbilt hasn't had for quite a while. You haven't seen an explosive kickoff returner since really Darius Sims. And I think you could almost go back to Andre Howell, DJ Moore, um, Earl Bennett, even before that, since Vanderbilt's had a really good punt returner. That's just something that they have just lacked. And that would be something huge if they were able to find an explosive playmaker that could consistently field punts in a sure-handed way, because that's the number one key. I will trade two or three punt return touchdowns for every one fumbled punt return because those just kill your momentum. And a team that lives on that edge that you almost have to play perfect to compete in these SEC games, the mistakes on special teams just can't happen. And they did have some mistakes throughout this year, but Bolivis won them two games in Colorado State and Connecticut. Uh, he was clutch in those situations. Uh, Clark really trusted in him, and he hit the game-winning field goal. So for that reason, I have to give the special teams unit a C, even though there were obviously some problems in the punting game and kick coverage, lack of explosive playmakers. I think a C is probably fair just because the performance of the kicking game compared to last season was a massive, massive improvement. Even though there were some missed kicks, you still have to give credit where credit is due. He stepped in, and without Bolivis, if you replace the kicker, with Sarah Fuller or Pearson Cook, I, I'm not sure Vanderbilt has a win this season. So props to Joe Bolivis, big leg Joe. By the way, I was sitting on the front row in Section B of Neyland Stadium, and I was with one of my friends who was who is a Tennessee fan. He obviously doesn't really know who Joe Bolivis is. But my God, Joe, the man has been hitting the weight room. He looks like a starting SEC safety. The dude's triceps, biceps, he's, he's a unit. So maybe if he – I don't know if he has eligibility. I know it was a grad transfer. Maybe he can try out for maybe uh, playing the secondary here for us um, um, next season. But I think he is out of here with that grad transfer. But uh, good luck to him. Big leg Joe. Appreciated everything stepping in and coming in clutch and helping the Commodores at least uh, put a couple victories on the board this season. But switching sides of the ball here, let me take a breath and get a drink of water. Switching sides of the ball over to defense. The defensive line. Billy gave a D plus. Um, I'll remind of what he gave before I go into my breakdown. But the defensive line, I think, going into the season, I, I kind of wanted to go back and listen to our season preview before doing this, just so I could see what my original expectations were for each of these positions, and not just what I remembered them being. Um, but 
I had pretty high expectations for this defensive line. I thought they had quite a bit of talent. Malik Langham, Alex Williams, Davion Davis. You had Tank Sujic, Marcus Bradley, who obviously transferred out. Elijah McAllister, who I consider a defensive lineman, even though he's technically classified as a linebacker. But they were very disappointing. You just can't you can't give a higher grade than what I am giving right here, which is a D minus from a defensive line that had nine sacks on the season. Um, and only, I believe, three and a half, if you classify just the defensive linemen that ESPN, just three and a half sacks from defensive linemen. If you include Elijah McAllister, I believe it's four and a half. That's just not going to get it done. And the SEC, Vanderbilt had nine sacks in dead last 14 out of 14. The next highest had 22, or next lowest had 22. So more than double what Vanderbilt was able to provide just pressure on the quarterback. That's just not going to ever be able to win you games. Now, I, I don't give an F. Obviously, you would look at that and say, why are you even not giving an F? And, and because I had higher expectations, unable to provide pressure. This defensive line did improve and come up with some big stops in short yardage situations. You saw that against Tennessee on a fourth down stop they had early in the game. You saw it against Stanford on a defensive line stand. This this defensive line fought hard. They were just really they they were just outmatched. And that's as simple as it can be put. You just need some better athletes, some bigger bodies. How much did that have to do with the scheme on on those sacks? How much was it? It's the chicken and the egg. OK, so it, it, when I get into the defensive backs and their struggles is how much was were the defensive back struggles due to this defensive line not being able to provide pressure and how much was this lack of pressure and lack of sacks from the defensive line? Just the fact that opponents had guys running free and you have to cover for at least two or three seconds or a couple seconds to allow the defensive line to get the quarterback, get to the quarterback. And then how much was this defensive line not being able to pin their ears back just because they were unable to provide the negative plays early in downs and you don't know if the opponents are going to run or throw. So you can't just pin your ears back and having to make up for the linebackers, maybe being a step slow, not being able to fill those gaps, having to be a little bit more mindful of your run responsibilities. So I don't want to just say all of this of lack of sacks is on this defensive line because there were some scheme differences. Um, there were some personnel usage differences that I think they had to overcome. Um, some guys just unable to get to the quarterback that, frankly, we had expectations would. So a D minus there for the defensive line. That doesn't mean they were horrendous, um, but I do think just that lack of pressure, just I just can't give above a D minus there. But moving on to linebackers. Um, this is probably one of the tougher positions to grade here for me because I really like how Ethan Barr plays. He plays hard. Um, he's in the right spots. You can see he's trying to do the right thing. And occasionally he does make really, really big plays. That's why he's tied for the lead on this team with three interceptions, tied with Jerkins um, at the linebacker position because he made some really good plays in coverage and he makes some really good stops and he's very disciplined. But is Ethan Barr an SEC linebacker that he, he, I don't know. Um, mentally, I think absolutely. I think he has the mental capacity, seems to understand the defense, read the quarterbacks well. He's just a step slow. And there are times that he is in position. We always talk about scheming into position your defensive players and they us just not having Vanderbilt, just not having the athletes to really do what Clarkley wants to do. Um, and we say that because we're trying to say that 
there's blame to be put on all sides. But at some point you have to look and say, there are certain guys that are just not able to make those one-on-one plays or fill that gap. They're just a step slow. And I think Barr does struggle with that. So he improved a lot in my eyes from last year to this year. If he can make that same step forward and improving his quickness and speed, I think he can be a hell of a linebacker, but he has to get a step quicker, which leads me to Orgy, Anthony Orgy. I thought he was really impressive this year. He missed some tackles. He needs to bulk up to really play that linebacker position in the SEC. You could see him struggle at times, filling gaps in that tough nose run defense. But he is the type of athlete that I think Clark Lee is looking for. He is an Oren Burks type player. I think he has potential to be a hell of a player in this Clark Lee defense. Um, so linebacker, I'm going to go with a B minus just because blame has to be put somewhere on this defense for why they finished dead last in the SEC in line points per game. There was improvement. I think they played pretty well against Tennessee. Obviously played very well against Ole Miss, two very explosive offenses there. But there's a reason that this team gave up as many yards rushing per game as they did this year. They were 13th out of 14 in the SEC, only down or only better than Missouri this season at giving up rush yards per game. They gave up the most points per game. They struggled to get off the field, couldn't provide pressure on the quarterback. So I give this a B minus. There is, I do have higher expectations going into next year for this linebacker group, kind of similar to the running back group. I think that that's a double-edged sword in that you have expectations. You have to live up to those expectations because it's not just expectations of do the same thing that you did this year. If they come out and perform exactly the same as they did this year, that's going to be a disappointing performance for me. Same with the running backs. But I see the potential that they have to be a legitimate linebacker duo in Anthony Orgy and Ethan Barr. I think they complement each other well. I think what they both do fits what Clark Lee kind of wants to do. And I'm hoping to see a big step forward to them next year. But this season, I think a B minus, and that's the highest grade that I do have written down here for this defensive unit for the Commodores. Um, moving on to defensive back, Billy gave a C minus. Um, he kind of hit pretty much exactly uh, what I was saying, which is they were schemed well. They had quite a few interceptions. At one point, they were leading the SEC in interceptions. Uh, I don't have those stats in front of me right now. Let me get them pulled up to see if they still are uh, leading the conference in interceptions. Uh, one second here. Uh, they are in second um, ending the season, tied with Alabama, only behind South Carolina with 13 interceptions. So uh, some of those were from the linebackers. Like I said, Barr had three. Um, the defensive line did a good job of getting their hands up in the air, which is why um, I said that I don't think they should get it necessarily. I think I might have been a little harsh, but I couldn't give above a D minus just because of those sack numbers. They did a good job deflecting balls, getting in the passing or passing lanes of the quarterback. And this defense continued to improve and the corners continued to improve. I think if you looked at that performance against ETSU week one compared to what they were able to do against Ole Miss and Tennessee, I think you would look at that and say this isn't even really the same unit. Um, Jalen Mahoney, Gabe Judy Lolly, Brendan Harris, uh, Jerkins. I think you saw improvement from those guys. They just are a little bit out. They're just not quite the athlete level they are facing. Um, and it's another thing. How much blame do you put on the secondary? How much was it on the secondary? How much was it these opponents just being able to sit by, sit behind an offensive line and just wait until somebody came open against the secondary? I think that, that's something that this coaching staff is going to have to evaluate this year of where is the real problem in our pass coverage? Is it, is it from our actual secondary? Because they did turn the ball over a lot. They, they were able to pick off Matt Corral. They were able to make plays and should have had two or three interceptions against uh, Malik Hooker so, or Hendon Hooker. So, 
this this whole defense as a whole improved. It really did. They made some big plays, forcing turnovers, but they gave up 35.8 points per game. It's really hard to favorably give a grade to a defense, really any part of it, that gave up 35.8 points per game. It, the offense we pointed out at one point, I don't know what their numbers are now, but the, the offense was averaging 15.1 points per game. And no matter how good the defense plays, that the offense is that no matter how good the defense plays, that amount of points put out from your offense just isn't going to get the job done. Well, vice versa, the defense was put in some tough spots by this offense, turnovers, three and outs. I do want to give them the benefit of that, that they were put in rough spots, like the pick six. They only gave up 38 points against Tennessee. And to start the game, you threw a pick six and gave up seven to the most explosive first, first half offense in the conference. And then you immediately gave up a punt return after another offensive three and out on this on Tennessee's second drive of the game. Tennessee gets the ball inside the 15 yard line. Your defense gets a stop. Um, so that's the part of this defense that I do think improved. They fight, they play hard for the most part in the right spots, tackled okay. Um, I think a lot of that was athletes, but you just see on the outside the speed of guys getting the edge. And that's what is going to improve, hopefully, as Vanderbilt's able to get the prototypes at each position with Barton Simmons working alongside Clark Lee, able to identify the athleticism, body types they're looking for, as well as the mental capacity to run this defense that Clark Lee is running. So I have higher expectations for this defense going into next season, obviously, than I do going into this season. But this gets to the ratings of the staff. Um, I don't remember, he didn't write them down here, what Billy rated this staff. I have a feeling I'm going to be a little bit harsher than Billy was with my ratings. Um, we'll go ahead and start with the offense uh, because I want to give Clark Lee's rating last. And let me take another sip of water here. Uh, this whole speaking one person thing, I miss you, Billy. I'm running out of steam, running out of breath here. But going into this offense, um, all year, I've been critical of Joey Lynch and David Rye and, and what they were trying to do from the opening snap against ETSU. I didn't understand why this team was consistently running these fade routes to the outside. I understand you have big body receivers that maybe struggle to create separation, uh, but can put themselves in positive situations, utilizing their big body types to make these large plays downfield. But this first game of the season against ETSU, that wasn't necessary against this ETSU team. That's why you scored three points. You had the better athletes against ETSU. ETSU is a very, very good FCS team. They're ranked in the top eight this year. This is the equivalent of a team losing to North Dakota State, and we don't view that the same. But ETSU is very, very talented, and uh, uh, their running back, Quay Holmes, I believe, is leading the FCS in rushing yards. Um, he's a hell of a player. So I, I want to give credit to ETSU, but Vanderbilt should never lose to ETSU. Talent for talent, there's no excuse. Vanderbilt player for player is so much more talented. Um, and Joey Lynch all year really struggled in utilizing and scheming this team to an advantage. Vanderbilt is always going to have flaws. They are ne you're not going to be Notre Dame. You're not going to be Alabama or Georgia. Hell, you're never even going to really have the talent advantage that even a mid-level SEC team year in, year out does, like an LSU this year, about, about below average. I mean, LSU's talent is dramatically better than Vanderbilt's. So you have to find a way as a staff to coach Vanderbilt and scheme Vanderbilt like Vanderbilt. And I think at, to an extent, Joey Lynch did better 
once he got Mike Wright in and he had to step away from what he initially wanted to do with Ken Seals, I think he did improve. I, I think he did get more creative. Um, you saw it a lot in the Ole Miss game. You saw it a lot against Missouri. Um, he schemed his way to an advantage with the talent that he had. He was forced to do that because Vanderbilt's quarterback, Ken Seals, had struggled so badly and had the injury. He was forced to scheme his way to an advantage. But for the most part, I thought the play calling was better once you got Mike Wright in there, even when Mike Wright didn't really even fit the playbook that you had. I thought that Joey Lynch had to go off his script, which is all I wanted to see all year, and it did improve dramatically. So for that, I will say I'm going to give the offense. Just because they were so bad, I can't give above. I wanted to give an F. Um, I can't just because it did improve later in the year, the injuries that they had, um, the lack of playmakers that were just on this roster. So I've got to give the offense a D minus. Um, I do hope that they go a different direction. I think Clark Lee would be remiss if he does not go a different direction. There is just no, there's no way you can convince me that this Vanderbilt offense was that much less talented than everyone else they were playing. You just can't. I'm looking at the receivers they have. I'm looking at who was on that offensive line. They were not the 127th offense in the country, 128th offense, wherever they ended up. Um, they should have been averaging more than 15, 16 points per game. That's unacceptable. That is a scheme problem. They were not less talented than last year when they played in an SEC-only schedule and still put up better numbers. They were not less talented last year and that is a scheme issue so either joey lynch and david ryan need to go back to the drawing board discuss with clark lee and say we are going to look like a completely different offense next year likely mike wright is going to be at the helm it better look like a completely different offense next year because mike wright can't do what ken seals was doing he's not a drop back passer if you make mike wright drop back you're going to see a lot more interceptions and pick sixes like you saw in that in at to start out that ut game he just doesn't have the arm to hit those deep comebacks and deep outs to the outside the hashes like Ken Seals does. You have got to utilize the middle of the field. That is the part of Joey Lynch's scheme I never understood and still do not understand. This team never utilized the middle of the field. Very rarely outside of the red zone did you see passes inside towards those linebackers. Is there more potential for turnovers? Absolutely. But you're consistently going three and out, and your punting is not good. You're not punting the ball well for a high average. You're not covering punts well. So you're consistently going three and out and then punting the ball back, giving the opponent good field position, and you're not working in the middle of the field because you're worried about turnovers? Well, that doesn't seem to matter. What can it hurt? That's where I had issues, is the early season rigidity, the game plan going into ETSU was really, really bad. That loss was inexcusable, which is why none of these grades can be good, much less being a 2-10 and team. You can't lose to an FCS program. That's un It had never happened at Vanderbilt. It's like when Stack lost the three-point shooting record or whatever it was, and this team lost 20 games under Bryce Drew. There are certain things, even at Vanderbilt, that are unacceptable. And that FCS loss at the beginning of the year is 100% on this coaching staff. I don't think, I don't think there's any – did the players play well? I don't think so. But there's no way this team should ever lose to an FCS program again, even like ETSU. That's where it all stems from. But going to the defense – that's where I saw the most improvement. That is where I have hope for the future. I think Mentor and Clark Lee have potential to have this team to be really, really good defensively relatively soon. I think next season, when we kind of get into this and we have more time to discuss this in the offseason, I think next year 
this team is not going to improve a lot in the win-loss record. I think they can improve in competitiveness, but you just look at the roster. They don't have a ton of talent coming in. They lose talent. They're going to lose some talent to the transfer portal, whether that's Marcus Bradley already entering, Alan George um, going off of his last season of eligibility. He, he won't be returning. Uh, Cam Johnson announcing his, announcing his transfer. I don't know if this team is necessarily going to be unbelievably more talented next year. They're going to have pretty much the same guys that I hope can take a step forward. Um, but I think year three for Clark Lee, um, you're finally going to have a kind of re-energized roster with an, a little bit of depth. Um, I think that's the first time we're going to be able to take a look at, and really evaluate them statistically win losses um, because this defense passed the eye test a lot more at the end of the year. I think if you started the season all over again, Vanderbilt would not give up 41 points to Florida. I just don't see it. 42 points to Florida. So with that being said, I think the defense I would give probably, and this is a tough one. I think I'm going to have to go with C, C plus right in there, about like a 76, 77. Uh, if you're on that college grading scale of 70 through 80 being a C, just because of the improvement we saw. I, I mean, the ETSU game to the end of the year, Tennessee, I think, expected to come in and effortlessly move the ball and have these massive plays over and over and over again. And that just didn't happen for them, even the same way that against Kentucky. And that's an improvement. Um, I think Jalen Mahoney and and the rest of that crew there really confused Hooker a little bit more than I think they expected. Did he miss a few throws? Absolutely. But giving up 38 points to that Tennessee team after giving up 31 points to, to the Ole Miss team um, previously, probably the two most explosive best offenses in the SEC, I think that's a huge improvement. So I'm going to have to give it about a 76-77, give them a C-plus there. And on to Clark Lee. This, this is the tough one because you're 2-10. and 10. Um, I don't think that anybody watched the 2019 or 2020 season um, under Derek Mason his last year. That was horrible. I mean, they were really, really bad. Granted, you were in a tough spot with COVID, a lot of opt-outs. Um, you had some dysfunction within that team, SEC-only schedule. But you had to forfeit that last game of the year, and that was just embarrassing against Georgia. That being said... Clark Lee did not, this was not a good season. I mean, I think disappointing is probably the best word for this year, uh, regardless of how low your expectations were. I think this first season fell below your expectations. I think Clark Lee sees where they are more realistically now. I think he came in not necessarily recognizing how far down this talent gap differential was. And now he has a reality of the situation and it's year one you lost a lot of people to transfers you lost a lot of your talent to transfers you had a lot of young guys forced into the rotation and then you lost your staple of your offense in Ramon Davis that was supposed to be the guy the experienced transfer coming in with experience of being a successful skill position player there alongside paired with the receiving group that has had success in the past, and then a young quarterback that just didn't reach expectations. So some of this can be placed on Clark Lee being inexperienced. But I think really where I go back to the grade that I'm going to give, he made an awful decision bringing in other inexperienced coaches 
at the offense on the offensive side of the ball. I think with what he had experience wise at the defensive coordinator position, bringing in a guy like mentor was a good decision because he knows what it takes to be a coordinator and operate that entire side of the ball at a large power five program. He's seen it happen. Obviously, if you were in, if you're in a locker room and you're on a coaching staff, you know how the other side of the ball operates but he had never had to run it from a CEO perspective. And so I think he needed somebody to come in there and really take over that role more than Joey Lynch and David Rye were able to. And I think that's why Joey Lynch was placed into the play calling duties was because David Rye was in over his head and Clark Lee was also in over his head. So this year overall, I have to give Lee a D plus. Uh, my expectations were pretty low going in. I, two, three wins about, but this fell below. I didn't think they would be dead last in defense and dead last in offense and lose to ETSU and really not even be competitive for the most part in nearly every SEC game. The only real competitive game they had that you felt like they had a real opportunity to win this year was South Carolina. South Carolina team's pretty bad. They should have won that game. And then what fell apart at the end was Carkley's decision to drop eight and rush three. And that's why they lost the game. So you can't give above a D plus to the head coach in year one, no matter how big the talent gap differential was. Just because the record there at two and 10, uh, they made mistakes that inexperienced coaches make. But I think you saw an arc of improvement throughout the year. And I think you saw quicker improvement from week nine to week 10 than you saw from week two to week three. I think you saw places where this team can grow, where this team can learn. Now, will Clarkley be able to recruit enough talent to fit that scheme? And will Joey Lynch return? That's That's another big thing. Is Joey Lynch willing to go back to square one alongside David Rye and reevaluate everything that they brought to bear this season one, because if they don't, I don't think you can keep him there because next year, if you bring back the same offensive scheme and score 15 points a game again next year, then you have questions of your, your decision-making as a CEO there. And then year three becomes an even more important year. So I either this offense is going to have to completely adjust and build this offense around Mike Wright going into next season, Joey Lynch, David Wright back to the drawing board, or my hope is that they just clear house, start fresh, because I think it's the sunk cost fallacy. Clarkley hired Joey Lynch and David Wright to run this offense at the beginning of this season, having expectations they would bring a fresh new concept and do things that really hadn't been seen that much. That didn't happen, None, nothing even remotely close happened. And if Clark Lee had a time machine and could go back to when he made that hire, would he still hire the same two guys to run his offense? I think undeniably, if he's honest with himself, absolute, himself, he would absolutely not make those hires. He would bring in a more experienced offensive coordinator and more experienced position coaches. So I think it's just time to cut ties move forward, bring in a more experienced OC to really take over that side of the ball. And if those guys want to stay on as coaches, position coaches, passing game coordinators, so have you, you don't have to go completely back to square one. We saw improvement at the beginning of the year, but there just needs to be a major change because what we saw throughout this season was not at the level that the talent was on this roster, no matter who you are. They had enough talent to not be the 128th ranked offense in the entire country. So Clark Lee with a D plus there. Uh, I'm sure me and Billy will continue to talk about this season a little bit on and off, but it's time to shift our focus a little bit to the basketball court. As always, you've been listening to episode 129 of the Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. <laughs>